0: what is not written is not said what is not written remains undone some things can be risked leaving to memory and others simply must be noted these are referred to as noteworthy things when you encounter the noteworthy that is backed by and based on the word of god you have met the noteworthy welcome to the noteworthy With Teddy Podcast, brought to you by Reverend Teddy A. Jones. Get your mind in gear and your willpower engaged. The revolution begins now. Here is today's episode. Greetings, listeners. I return to the subject matter of confronting injustice by raising the question whether you should remain silent. As was clearly established on the episode, Burning hearts, burning cities. There is a strong biblical command to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. There, we made the case that the Church of Jesus has a duty to confront injustice. I posited that there is far more that the religious community can and needs to do in the area of speaking for those who can't speak for themselves. Far too many faith communities remain with their heads buried in the sand while atrocities abound in their very back and front yard. The theology of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven has been restricted to an otherworldly futuristic longing and is impotent and apathetic to the plight of humans around them. With that said, I think you will understand my frustration. No, let me be brutally honest. My anger at two Christian writers whose blog posts I came across this week who went to great lengths to make a case for the church distancing herself from the current agitation for an end to racial injustice. One went as far as to accuse the Black Lives Matter sentiment of being demonic. I was petrified. Yes, I have since repented of my anger, but there is still a lingering bewilderment as to how they could hold such a position. On the flip side of the emotions, I was particularly pleased to read an article in the Jamaica Observer News this past week, penned by Reverend Carlisle Peart from the Bahamas, titled, Can the Church Remain Silent?" I wish to continue the commendation already expressed. I'd like to use the framework of his arguments to speak directly to you, my listeners. Since we are the church, let's get down to the lowest common denominator. Let's speak to ourselves, lest we fall again into the trap of passing the book when we hear the word church. You cannot remain silent. Our textual foundation today is Galatians 3, 24-29. It reads, So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the prophet. The main point of our text is that we must understand who we are in Christ. Identity is everything. It appears that not enough thought is given to the reality of and the implications of our identity. According to the text, the Christian is a child of God through faith. This is the common identity of the person who has chosen to be made right with God by faith in Jesus and not by self-righteous acts or a reliance on the law. The law had its purpose and that for a designated time. It was our teacher pointing the way to Christ. Take a moment and speak over yourself. Yeah. Literally, say it out loud so that you can hear yourself saying it. Come, say, I am a child of God. As a child of God, it means that I am to be like God in my thinking and my actions. This is where the cookie crumbles. How do we explain the reality that so many Christians still think and Act like the rest of the world. The Apostle Paul made a profound statement regarding this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. When he wrapped his mind around the resurrection of Jesus and its power to bring healing and reconciliation, he recognized that he had to change his viewpoint of people. Now, this is the verse that precedes a well-known and often quoted verse from Paul. Verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed, and the new is here. So, racism is old thinking. Classism is old thinking. Elitism is old thinking. The new thinking that ought to be embraced by the child of God is that we are all God's creation. As he said, all one in Christ. If you doubt that this is how God sees people, listen to how Peter puts it when he himself had to be given a jolt to shake off his deep-seated prejudice and discriminatory attitudes. In Acts 10, verses 34 to 35, Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how it is true that God does not show favoritism, but accepts those from every family nation and race who fear him and work for his kingdom. In light of this, we have to seriously grapple with history and present times. How do we explain the role of the church in South African apartheid? How do we account for the role of the church in the Caribbean's plantation era, where religion was actively used as a tool of suppression segregation, and re-socialization. At one point in the history of Kingston, Jamaica, an actual law was passed forbidding evangelization of slaves. This was predicated on the premise that one had to have a soul in need of salvation. And since slaves were subhuman, it was not possible, and therefore, a waste of time to preach to them. The very sacrament of marriage that is now a requirement for service in some churches was once likewise forbidden for the freed Africans in Jamaica because the contractual aspect of marriage required two humans. So the very thing the church once denied blacks is the very thing that is now a requirement. Like I stated in in the Burning Hearts, Burning Cities episode, there are many things the church should openly apologize for, and it is keeping silent. At a personal level, the reality of God's attitude means that as a child of God, I am required to embrace persons of all color, creed, nationality. Who are the kinds of persons that you have to pause or stop before you will embrace as a fellow child of God? In all of the racial tension now, are we in the Caribbean guarding our hearts against bile and bitterness for Caucasians? you see we simply cannot eat our cake and have it so to speak so yes jump and prance that you are a child of god but slow your roll a little bit consider the implications carefully you cannot remain silent with yourself you must speak to yourself and challenge the perspective you have which is ungodly. Allow me to share a section of Rev. Peart's article, which I mentioned at the beginning, for he makes some absolutely salient points for our consideration. Quote, Genesis tells us that God created male and female in His own image and likeness. God created one race, the human race. Regrettably, sin has caused us to create many races, which have divided us as a people, according to the worldly standards, the vast majority of us in the Caribbean belong to the Negroid race, the black race. Some of us, however, have tried to find ways to escape our Africanness. We gladly and proudly embrace and can trace our European ancestry, but shun the black part of us, sadly. The black part is demonized by some, a sin which must be avoided and never spoken of in private or public. Some of us have secretly wished we were of a lighter hue, and quite a number have resorted to bleaching. We do not believe that our complexion or hair texture is good enough unless it is closely related to our European counterparts. Mentally, we are still enslaved in the region. End quote. So, let me ask you, what are the ways in which you have actively tried to escape your African roots? I spoke about the subtle but powerful ways in which church theology, liturgy and ecclesiology demonizes Africa and gleefully embraces that of North America and other metropolitan centers. Who told you that Caribbean music was not worship music? what the romantic ballad style from USA, Europe, and Australia is. What makes it okay to tell your daughter to marry light so she can lighten the generation? I listened to artist actor T.I. addressing a crowd of protesters in Atlanta over the death of Richard Thomas by police officers. TI challenged them that they need to reevaluate their spending habits, highlighting the fact that African-Americans accounted for the largest spending at high-end stores. This is typically in an effort to appear closer to another race and less like an African-blooded human. Paul's emphatic negative in verse 28 of our text takes aim at religious, social and gender segregation. We have already seen that it is very possible for church leaders to find ways to justify ideas and practices of segregation, discrimination and violent prejudice historically. What about the ways in which these are manifested in your church today? Yes, the church that you attend and its denominational body, if it belongs to one? Are there structures and systems that have taken root, which do not bear evidence that the all who have been baptized into Christ have cloaked themselves in the mind of Christ? Should you remain silent where positions of leadership are reserved for those with certain last names only, or those whose address ends with glades or circle or hills as opposed to pen and meadows and gardens, the the ones formerly known as pen. Can you remain silent when church leaders actively seek to divide the followers of God into exclusive cliques that pronounce hellfire on all others whose church style is different. I was raised in a Protestant Pentecostal environment that taught me to look down on Catholics, Anglicans and Methodists as non-Christians across the board. Thank God the day I was delivered from that demonic spirit through the influence of my mentor in seminary. What about the instances of female subjugation vilification, and even dehumanization practiced in the name of religion among some Christian denominations and splinter groups. Are they not baptized into Christ and therefore children of God like the males? Can you remain silent? Can you remain silent in a world swarming with hate, discrimination, prejudice, classism, elitism, racism, and fascism? I am suggesting that the Bible doesn't allow us the luxury of even thinking of remaining silent. It demands that we begin by speaking to ourselves so that we can have the moral authority to speak truth to power and the courage to withstand the pushback. Systemic injustice is backed by the might of the system, but the person who knows his or her God Will be as bold as a lion. Ready to roar? Should the church remain silent? Should you remain silent? Can you? Can you remain silent? The scriptures are clear. You cannot remain silent. You ought not to remain silent. These days, it is quite popular for persons to make videos while driving or uh, outside and post those to various social media. Why not use such an approach? Your voice is important. Your voice can spark an avalanche of change. So one of the placards that I spotted on social media from the ongoing protests caught me. It said, Judging a demonstration by its most violent participants... But not judging a police force by its violent cops is the language of the oppressor. Powerful. One individual with a lovely postcard, cardboard designed with a message, speaking out, letting their voice be heard. You cannot remain silent. There are opportunities to so speak. May God give us grace to speak. Let's talk about it. Thank you for listening to this episode of my podcast, Noteworthy with Teddy. This is Reverend Teddy A. Jones. You think about it, let's talk about it. I look forward to your questions and comments. Use the social media links provided here to connect with me. If it's noteworthy, then others need to hear. Thanks for sharing the podcast with your friends and family. See you on the next episode. DV.